to the ground we're back another week another great guest this week we got drummer of algernon Cadwalder, dogs on acid hands and ape up among other things we got nick taz on the pod what's up nick what up nick hello everyone thank you for having me <laughs> i'm so buttoned this up should, all of a sudden this, now. Hour formal. this stuff is so hard especially <laughs> i'm look, looking at my face while we're doing this <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's, it's what do fun. i what do i do with my hands <laughs> you're doing great uh, honey <laughs> no it's uh oh no we're stoked to have you on the pod uh you you've come up multiple times over the course of of the the life of this podcast so i think it's only right that you you come on to defend yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, I think uh, um, it's it's all for first good. question. Yeah, first question: What's it like to be a Jade Tree recording artist? Go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really loaded question. Uh, <laughs> so, sixteen-year-old me is like, "Whoa, right? That's the sickest shit ever." But then, as I got older, uh, we put it was a fucking train wreck. <laughs> it, it, the record's great jay tree they mean well but man it was it was rough working who, with them who else did we have on the pod who had that same reaction <laughs> i mean probably joe reinhardt probably uh, Pro, yeah i'm trying to think of who else the only other put oh you know what we talked about it with fred a little bit with you blew it because they perceived that's right because that yeah, you yeah. Blew it was on there then they, they oh, blew that's it. right i remember yeah. they literally what a it. wonky i remember going to that uh that office when it was in philly and like just walking in and being like, "This is insane." But like, <laughs> this thing from my youth is 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 this chaos in front of me. Yeah. yeah. They, well, that was like uh, growing up, big big ferret records head, and uh, I remember they briefly had an office in Princeton Junction, New Jersey. <laughs> ferret. And records? I yeah, ferret. And I remember driving. It was right near the Princeton Junction train station. And I remember driving past like a unpresuming office park where they have like the light up white signage for all the different stuff like in a big like corporate block and it had like a law firm and it had like you know some other like tack like an accountant's office and then it just said ferret music with the fucking revolver loco <laughs> in the middle of this office park and i'm like that's the coolest fucking shit i've ever seen can you refresh my memory on uh who were some notable ferret records recording artists oh god i mean every time i die is a big one for sure uh that one, that one every time i die record is really really good wait the one that's on ferret is good i yeah, don't remember they've which had one a few on ferret. Like metalcore right ferret they they did weird stuff i mean they they kind of trafficked in the heavier aggressive music realm ferret moves metalcore right I guess. Yeah, a lot. Of, I think so. <laughs> Just I don't. I think the the owner of Ferret was from New Jersey. I no, think. Yeah, sure. they. I think they were originally based in New Brunswick. That uh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, they. Did either of you guys have Ferret basketball shorts? Because I certainly I, did. I I, I wish not. I did. Yeah, they had everybody. They had uh, well, Boys Night Out was on them. Uh, mm. Disembodied, Devil Wears Prada. 
Every time I die from all the ashes, Foxy Shazam of all people. Uh, <laughs> heavy, heavy, low, low, Mad Ball. I guess that they they've turned into like good fight slightly after uh, Ferret. But yeah, Poison the Well, all all your favorites. Wait. X Bishop X, everyone's favorite straight edge hardcore band. <laughs> oh, my dogs are on the podcast now. Hell oh, yeah. nice. Hey. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, very funny having you on the pod because, yeah, you, I think when I, we recently reconnected uh, via Instagram mm-hmm. and you were shocked mm-hmm. to find out how big of a part of my musical history was kind of based around the things you would show me at Radio Shack back in the day. That's like crazy to even hear because I don't even remember what I was showing you. Hopefully it was good things. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So for people who might not have heard, or if this is your first episode, um, there was a time when I was in my teenage years, like 15, 16, 17, where I knew you from being the drummer of local new metal favorites here tomorrow. <laughs> uh, and who was on Spotify, by the way, somehow. Yeah, I think I'm one of seven <laughs> listeners on there. Uh, I don't I don't know who put that up there. That's it so had to have been like up there. Jay, you know, hundred <laughs> percent. But uh, I've been debating putting my high school metalcore band on the on the on Spotify too. So you know we're all guilty of a little narcissism. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I you were the drummer of them, and uh, fuck, here tomorrow played like every show every weekend. Uh, yeah. I I saw you guys play at a skate park once. I think that was literally just a bunch of re- like rented ramps set up in a like an urgent care parking lot somewhere. <laughs> I remember that actually. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing you've said is weird. Uh, yeah. Did you were you in the band when uh when Here Tomorrow played X Fest at the Sovereign what was at the time the Sovereign Bank Arena? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How do you remember that? <laughs> I mean these are these are big key moments in my musical history. Uh X Fest was wild. People were so hyped about X Fest and I remember I I don't think I was in the band. I think I quit like right before that, but I remember Jay and Jeff are like so hyped about it. Oh yeah. Well, I mean this <laughs> this goes like in with an arena. <laughs> yeah, it was in the the arena in the middle of Trenton with a bunch of dirt bikes <laughs> going off ramps. And I, it was Here Tomorrow and the Riotones, I think, were the bands playing. Oh, oh my god. But, <laughs> uh, but I mean, this this also show. tracks with uh, with your track record of you leaving every band right before they get too big. You hey, know? Well, Here Tomorrow, we know Here Tomorrow nailed it. Here Tomorrow, they're going to play the, the <laughs> arena, and you're like, nah, I'm in it for the heads only. Like, I'm just... It's two uh, yeah. small stages for me. Parking lot, you know, punk shows. That's it. Going to the White Horse Firehouse, and uh, oh <laughs> but, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then I would come bug you on lunch break all the time because I worked at the adjacent grocery store. And uh, oh, that's right. With I worked, Scott, from... I worked at Marazzo's with yeah Scott from Crypt Keeper Five, who now yeah. owns a, a Russo's and Asbury. and uh yeah it's i would come bug you and yeah you you would play me i remember distinctly you played me hooray by minus the bear on like the little like gateway 64 pc (laughs) (laughs) 
minus the bears that band was like i love that band when i was younger i still do oh I yeah still, i still like it you do you do you appreciate the entire catalog or do you get out at some point uh I mean, it, I don't know if I've listened to it in a long time, but I, I do remember not being really offended by the later records. Right. I feel like they were, you know, they were just kind of doing their thing and not trying to evolve too much. Right. And yeah. that one of their later re- releases, and I, 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 maybe that's unfair to say. I, I'm not. I don't know them at all. But no, I think it's a fair assessment. Um, but I think they're just they have a very consistent catalog. And yeah. I, the one EP they put out, which was like the beer. The beer, beer singles or something. Beer yeah, commercials. Yeah. yeah. I thought that that was really, really good. Um, and then I just kind of stopped listening to them for some reason. I'm going to put that on later, actually. Huh. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember because uh, I think they released Hooray as like one of the early, like pure volume singles before Menace also came out. And it blew oh, my mind. That's right. Because I didn't know anything that sounded like that at the time. And like that was kind of the yeah. joke I think we talked about with Joe Reinhardt was like when I saw the early shows of you playing with Algernon. I had no frame of reference of what the influences were at the time. Like the closest yeah. to that kind of like mathy stuff was, was like minus the bear. So it was, it was really funny, but we went through uh, just a lot of, a lot of nostalgia. Cause you were in so many bands and we're connected. That whole scene came from so yeah, like an insular kind of space, you know? Yeah. Uh, that- well, like the, the, my, like all that early Algernon stuff was me just listening to, minus the bear like the okay. whole demo is literally the dance gallop beat on the hi-hats because yeah. i was like so obsessed with that one song um but yeah i mean i think a lot about where where we grew up the music scene where you and i come from and it was so good um and not even that not even just that the music scene was good and so many amazing bands came through but across the river was you know my future bandmates and dudes yeah. i still play with to this day and like their music scene was even better than ours. And yeah. like they were so advanced. It's like I don't know, Joe and Peter and Colin and like Brett Green, like all of them, they are all so talented. They've been in so many good bands. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it uh, well I showed you that uh the flyer that's like still hanging in the on the wall in my parents' house that has was like that the, here tomorrow. Or no, it was the Algernon that, one. Right? That was no, no, it was uh it was Zoloft the Rock and Roll Destroyer. With Like Lions, Underwater Ally, it was the Marigold record release, and uh, it was just like all, like most of the members of of Algernon playing the same show, but like right before you guys must have started playing together. Yeah, that's probably almost around the time we did start playing together. Um, Yeah, because I remember remember seeing you play Do Double Duty, Do Marigold, and, and Algernon sets. No, that def- that wouldn't have happened. I don't really? think so. No, yeah, because I quit Marigold. I left Marigold. Uh, and right, then right when the right record came that, out, we st- <laughs> yeah, like right when the record came out. And then right after that, uh, we started jamming on Algernon stuff. Like we all moved to Philly around the same time. Okay, and we started one of our well, one of our first practices was in Joe's basement uh, at his mom's in. I guess she was in Yardley, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but then we all moved to Philly at like the same time, and there was a house that Peter and a lot of people lived in called the Be Happy House, and that's where we did most of our jamming and playing. I think that's the one you actually came to at that show that time. Yeah, that would have been the Be Happy House. Oh shit! Okay, I never, I never realized it had a name back then. Yeah, yeah, and it was all like 
all those dudes were in a, you know, they called themselves like circle, circle Y. It was the circle of friends from Yardley, Pennsylvania. And <laughs> That's sick. I was, I was so, I felt so cool to just be adjacent to that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I did like Joe, like all of them. I, I like idolized as a kid, like uh, halfway to Holland. Yeah. So that yeah. was insane. Oh, it like still holds up. I was listening to that oh, recently. Yeah. It's so yeah, good. It, they were, Could have been made yesterday. It's yeah, fucking unbelievable. And they were 16 years old. That's like I was, wild. I was barely farting over my instrument when I was 16, <laughs> and they're in fucking halfway to Holland on my instrument. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, oh. I just, I just even to just to hang out with them on a daily basis, or even get to play. I've played in a couple bands with them. It's just, I'm always like floored by how talented they are. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, that that's There's something always... even Joe had said was just like it's to be around musicians that are constantly challenging you to get better. It's like such yeah. a blessing, and like yeah, being able to I play off like, each other like that. I feel like the uh, the little bit that I know about that like specific micro scene makes it seem so different from anything that I grew up in. Like I feel like local scenes by default are usually pretty combative. Yeah. Or like, there's a competition. Well, yeah, you. I mean, like you grew up only that. 20, 30 minutes south of where me and Nick right. grew up. Right. It's crazy yeah. that there'd be that much of a difference. Right. I mean, you know, it just seemed like it. You know, just a different, totally different vibe, like an actually creative vibe, and not like a yeah. How can I get bigger than this other band vibe? Yeah. True. I mean, the whole thing was built on like, you know, I didn't. It took me moving all different places and playing in different bands with different people and now getting older and seeing how um how much what we, what you know that circle of friends was trying to do and how much it affected people that's when i only started to realize like how special it was yeah um and to be a part of it it's just so it's really cool and you know peter and like again all of them like peter was a huge driver of like that diy um ethos like we went on tour so many times and you know we just booked it through the internet or you know uh making phone calls or you know when myspace came around and we were just all over the country just tour and hang out with friends the whole time mm -hmm. and that was just super super neat and i don't know if it still exists that way i'm sure it exists in some way but i felt like it was really special that's, really, really special. That's something we touch on a lot on this podcast, and I think because I think Joe was the one who uh, was like, "Oh yeah, no, we're just old. Like that is definitely still yeah, happening. Yeah, 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 it definitely still exists. It's just, we just we're not connected yeah, to it. Of course, we like don't know we were. It. Yeah, it would be weird if we knew about it. It kind of would be. Like, yeah. imagine going to a basement show, like, yeah. and not to well, see. There, and there not was to see a the guy... Smiler's fifth breakup show. I'm saying, like, <laughs> imagine going to uh, there. There to was a basement a... show to see like teen bands. I, you know I, I mean? have no idea the dude's name, but there was a guy who used to go to the Philly house shows who was definitely. I mean, I was probably 25 at the time, so this guy probably was probably like 28, and I was like, this old fuck. Like, <laughs> uh, but no, there was an older guy who would go. Like, I, I remember seeing him at like Mount Thrashmore, like Ruben, uh, Ruben spot, and. And he would like show up to shows and stand on like a step ladder, really? like he would stand in the back, but would Fucking stand on like crazy. a two step step stool That's <laughs> that he would like bring to the shows. I hate that. That's a yeah. life hack. But I that. also do really appreciate. It. It's like I'm old. People already think I'm ridiculous. I might as well like be comfortable when I'm here and actually see what I'm watching and like. 
<laughs> he can he he can enjoy it from the back without obscuring anyone's views, you know, uh, or ruin anyone's photos of all the hip cool you know, kids I in the was, front row. I was over thirty the uh, the last house show I went to, and it was weird. It was to see Tyler Daniel Bean, which okay. which isn't weird to see when you're that age. But yeah, I was like I am aged out of this. My back yeah. hurts. It's, I mean, my back always hurts. Where's my where's my fatigue, Matt? We we played a. Uh, we played a basement show, a few basement shows before the pandemic, and it was still really cool. And I did feel really old, and I wanted to go to bed at like ten o'clock. But we, we <laughs> yep. you know, we made it through, and uh, yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, I, I do miss it. It was such like a a formative time, and yeah, I think I think that's something like like by us thinking it didn't happen because I remember like in Hamilton, it, it did have a pretty thriving scene for like a seven year period. Oh, and, yeah. It was awesome. Like, my entire high school experience was going to shows every weekend. Sometimes yeah. multiple, you know? I remember there would be times uh, there would be a show at, uh, like, White, House, uh, White Horse Firehouse, and then another show, like, right down the block at, like, um, uh, what was the other one on, like, the corner of Chambers Street? And people would literally oh, walk between yeah. the shows. Yeah. Uh, and... And, and the like, uh, what was it? The Heights Town, uh, VFW, oh, or the, the Heights, Heights Town, yeah, the Heights Town uh, Ballroom, I think. The the Legion, American Legion, yeah. And they they would have shows like Friday and Saturday nights, and it was just there was always something to do. I like didn't get into that much trouble as a kid because I like, I was always busy, you know. Yeah, my my first few shows were at the Derby Firehouse oh, in Bordentown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there was another another spot in nottingham like nottingham fire company that was big for a while yep but there's so many good bands just from jersey and then they would tour through jersey um like i wasn't at this show but um on the get up kids first east coast tour they played at the derby firehouse yeah i I remember seeing pictures of that in uh i remember seeing them uh alternative press did a get up kids like oral history and they had pictures from the derby firehouse from like 95 or something Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, what was the other spot we used to? Oh, and then if you just went a little north to Princeton, then you got, like, I thought the shows were just really different. Like, South Jersey was all pop punk, and then you start getting north. And then I saw, like, Mel Banana at the Terrace Club in Princeton. Jesus. And that was, like, so <laughs> cool, just on the floor, just ripping. Okay. Uh, was, I remember the Terrace awesome. Club had good was, stuff. I forget who yeah. I saw at the Terrace Club, like, year. I think it, fuck, I forget who it was. But, yeah, like, stuff you wouldn't expect. Yeah. But I also think at the drive-in was on that show too, possibly with Melt Banana. With Melt Banana, Jesus. yeah, at the Terrace Club. <laughs> That's yeah, incredible. Pretty, pretty nuts. Yeah, I I remember because there would also be a lot of uh, like a lot of bands that trafficked in the Marigold Circle because I God I saw Marigold so many times too. It, another incredible like live live set every time. Uh, I still have I think the the three song CDR. <laughs> with uh with the drum with song the robot on it yeah <laughs> oh no i think it's literally like a burned like written on with sharpie uh in a in like a little plastic like paper sleeve that's CDR. awesome there used uh, to be this band uh, we used to play with called the u.s funk team oh yeah was that. that was that uh seven inch directly behind me yeah, yeah tank, they're amazing tank was so the drummer good. for that right Tank was the drummer. Greg LeBold was the drummer. There's a few different incarnations with different bass players, I think, possibly. Um, but 
they used to do these CDs. They would do them super quick. And I, I want to say it has to be them, but they would spray paint it and they would put so much spray paint on it that you it wouldn't play in your CD player. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure it was them. Uh, oh my God. I, I also know Peter has done that a few times as well. That's a, yeah. It's there was, uh, do you remember chasing the yellow line? I do with that. Uh, and, that record still holds up. I couldn't tell you what the song titles were because it's on a blank CDR, but yeah. I've put that on like semi recently and it's like it's still good songwriting. Yeah. I know well, nothing the, about them. Well, they were all in they were in a band, a ska band. Okay. Uh, before Chasing the Yellow Line and I can't remember what it was called. It might be with it might be called Shower with Goats. Okay. Uh, I think that might be what it is. Uh, but that band was sick too. And yeah, there, there was this uh, this comp from way back in the day called Thresh this CD, and that was one of the first like punk records I ever got. Uh, and I was like ninety seven, I want to say maybe. And they were on that, and like, all these amazing Jersey bands were on it. And I was obsessed with it. I played it all the time. And I definitely freaked out my parents. Like, that was like, <laughs> that's like when it started. Like, yeah. I was like, I'm a punk now. <laughs> but like it, it, is, it is so funny how, like you said, like going to Princeton would just be a totally different breed of shows or South Jersey. Yeah. And I remember I would go to shows. Uh, this is a little later on than like uh, the shows I was seeing with you. But like the Allentown first presbyterian would have like hardcore shows and bands from like yeah. jackson and like imla's town and kind of like the the prince of peace scene would come down and play and it would just be wait that's how you say that town i think so right what what, what town imla's I've town i've always said i'm lazed town but oh yeah no, it's it, it's imla's imla's town i think imla's right town. next to cox's corner famously. yeah yeah <laughs> but i've seen like 95 uh yeah like the, but there'd be bands from like Rich kids from like Princeton Country Day School would come sound like Sasha, and it would like blow my mind. And well, there's that one band, cat, uh, that were from, and uh, they were called Cat War. Cat War, uh, yeah. And then uh, with Chris Yates, I then, went to college with him. He was in like yeah. my like a sociology class. That so that scene was, yeah. was so ahead of its time and totally yeah. far gone. Like me working backwards from listening to them and then realizing who their influences were. But, like, yeah. people listening to me without you, like, way before I was, like, yeah, because it was Cat War, Ariadne was the, the band that sounded like Sasha. Yeah, and uh, then there was The Lady Is Not For Burning. The Lady Is Not For Burning, who got some pretty good acclaim at one point. Yeah, uh, they were good. And uh, I still have all of these CDs. I have recorded material from all those bands, like, saved away. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, there was also like, Passengers and Their Baggage. And they would come out dressed like they were in Life Aquatic <laughs> and like That's put like sick. books and plants on their amps when they played. And they're all like 17 years old, you know? Yeah. But that also goes back to the it's a small world thing because uh, John Weed, who I am very good friends with, uh, he was in The Lady Is Not For Burning. And then all of those bands, like in some way, just in, like that's how I also met Biff, who was in like... Uh, Year of Glad and just all these other bands, uh, and he was also he ran in that crew as well. So it's oh, just, yeah, Biff had his hands on everything scene. for a while. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, the, even more there was uh, from like the New Egypt area, like the Thomas yeah. Crown Affair and the uh, was it um, Coping Mechanism? 
Oh and yeah. Was it Joey something Second Life was another one and I remember they there used to be footage on YouTube of them playing in the Mercer County Community College TV studio cuz someone oh, ran like yeah. a music talk show on there and it would have bands play. And yeah. it's like these weird well, microcosms of stuff that like no one besides like me and two other people remember. <laughs> Which makes well, great one- content, you know, podcast content obviously. Yeah. I mean, one of the craziest things is one of the best bands from that I remember growing up, like that they were like the tightest musicians and I had never seen anyone play so good was play so well, excuse me, uh, was Blood Runs Cold. Oh, yeah. Um, so, who Steve is now the drummer of Circus Survive. Yeah. Uh, so so the lineup was why well, I only know a few of them, but so it was Scotty, who was in Marigold with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was Steve, who then was in Circus Survive. And then there was um, the guitar player, Sean Kostu, who was one of the, like, I, I grew up with him. Like, we went, I think we started, uh, he was, we were in sixth grade together. He was always this amazing guitar player. And then he starts this, like, amazing, like, metallic hardcore band. Yeah. And it, they were so good. I, I've been looking for that demo everywhere. So if you have that, please give it to me. Uh, Blood Runs Cold, I could probably find it. We've we've brought up recently how good Soul Seek still is. Whoa. And our, our You've <laughs> brought up how our, good Soul Seek. Well, no, okay. Still so is. our you got, you, do you have LimeWire on your parents' computer as well? You download yeah. viruses? No, well, so funny enough, uh, a little follow-up. We had Chris Cote. Biscuit underscore Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lincoln <laughs> Park underscore papercuts.exe. Dude, wait, wait, so wait, wait, real quick. Uh I remember when Deftones White Pony came out and I was like fucking got on Kaza like immediately and then just like tried to download it and, and destroyed my parents' computer with a, <laughs> with a you know, I got so lucky. I feel like I had a friend early on that was like showed me to like check the file types. Mm. Um, yeah. And that I think that saved my compact Presario sitting right right behind me hold on let me see if i can adjust this so you can see that i have a whoa like like you like that mine had a radiohead sticker on it same color and everything (laughs) that's very funny that's like what 1999 yeah yeah probably yeah i remember uh like there's a there's a sub market for uh selling those for people to like make cool gaming computers with the shells oh totally I'm gonna the, all yeah, I think uh yeah, Blood Runs Cold used to play with God's Green Earth a bunch. Oh my god, and, this is and, getting ridiculous. And now. Paul from God it was the bass player in God's Green Earth, what worked in the produce department of yeah. of Marazzo's <laughs> where I worked. That was so that was that's really funny too, because that goes back to shit so now we're we're getting into like my <laughs> sophomore year of high school, and then there was the Pizza Star house on uh, we would just go there and drink and get fucked up and it was like all these like punks who lived in this house and we were just every weekend we would just party there but that was where I met like um, Jeff LaCour and Tim Ho is like they played an easy way out and, oh, yeah. and there was like there was recursion and God's Green Earth and all those yep. they were like the more hardcore side and it was like uh, Chris Maisto and uh, uh, what's his name he lives in Philly too uh He's an amazing chef now, George Sabatino. Okay. And so who it's just it's really nuts when you start to unravel it. And so many like you're unraveling it for me, and I'm making all these connections (laughs) that I haven't even thought about in so long. 
it's it's wild. Well, having all this knowledge in my head just plagues my brain constantly. So it's it's it feels yeah. good to get this it out. It probably to... comes in handy pretty often too, huh? Only in this very specific moment, <laughs> where someone who grew me... up in the exact music scene I did <laughs> understands. But yeah, it was. I mean, it's it going to shows was my life, you know, and it became yeah. a. A job for me for a while i actually funny enough i because i i was a music photographer for years and years and then i got so burnt out on it and no one wanted to pay money for anything and just got ripped off too many times that i i like got so burnt out uh but i was joking i've i haven't bought a concert ticket in probably 12 years at this point and i just bought my first one and it's for algernon at warsaw in brooklyn so Whoa, we're going to hang out. Yeah, so if you want to... Uh, I bought one ticket, so I'm not going to know anyone there. So if I could just like stand next to you the entire time, yeah. like kind of like even yeah. on stage, I think it'd just make me feel a little more comfortable. Uh, he's like, absolutely more not. That's me. where I draw the line. <laughs> <laughs> if you can like toss me like uh, you know uh, a photo pass, I don't know, I'll bring my little you camera. Warsaw is kind of weird. I love it. <laughs> is it? Yeah, is it? I've never know. been. That's my, my least favorite venue to go to when when i lived there it was uh hmm. it's weird it feels old it feels like it feels kind of creepy oh, that sounds like a cool <laughs> that's that sounds like all the other times i've seen algernon play so it makes sense it's a haunted house is what you're telling me no it's more like <laughs> yeah it's more like this place the, is real creepy yeah, everyone it, it's like the ballroom that time forgot so oh, wow. there's like weird, the weird weird ah! polish band uh the trocadero probably is legitimately haunted you know, oh, I worked there for a while. I gotta tell you, I don't believe it to be haunted. Fuck. All right. I'm sorry. I don't want to. <laughs> so things, many hearts. The things you would find in the walls there, because it was like a burlesque club yeah, at one yeah. point. Like the, we would find flyers from like, you know, fifties uh, burlesque bullshit. It's fucking wild. That sounds that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Also, I worked there with Andy Clark, which was oh, hell yeah. fun. another another Central uh, Jersey legend, and Joe Polito, which Joe. was super fun. Um, hell yeah, it was a really really great time in my life. I it's got insane we haven't gotten Joe that. on the podcast yet. I think that's on us because we haven't I, reached I, out. But... I messaged him the other day. He said, "You tell me when." I just haven't, you know, we haven't uh, <laughs> told him what doing four <laughs> pods a week. You know, man, some... Joe Polito, that guy's got some fucking stories. Oh, he's he maybe the nicest person legend. on the entire that planet. Dude, not only the nicest person on the planet, but like, I don't know. I, I like you either have to be a genius or insanely lucky to have like his career arc. Yeah. And I'm going, I'm going former because yeah. that guy's had his hands on everything related to like, DIY music in the oh, state of for sure, and, and on top of that, he, doesn't he run like the NJ Punk Rock Flyer Archive or whatever? Probably oh, yeah, the New Jersey Pop Punk Archive. It's awesome. Oh my Man, god, his unreal. wife is fucking nice. His kid is fucking cute. Like what a what all. a great life. What a what a, a guy. <laughs> yeah, his kids like I I don't know. Thirty seven like Slurp was six, my second seven. show ever. In, Get in, out of here! Why do you admit these things? What do you mean? <laughs> that, was, that was a stack show. Uh, for for the people who the the two other people listening to this who understand, yeah, it was like, and and, uh, and let it, me brace everybody for five bands no one's ever heard of. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it was uh, it was thirty seven slurp. It was shortwave radio. It was Crypt Keeper five. It was Stick Figure Suicide, Chasing the Line, and Cross Eyed Cow. 
Oh, and I've heard of one of those. I'm probably missing some too. It was a very stacked show, and it was at the the Robbinsville Elks Club. Do you remember like when every weekend shows shows were like a mini fest? Oh, they had like every single yeah. yeah, Like I remember playing shows that were like 14 bands. Like get fucking real. There was a um, there was a skating rink. Somebody got really smart, and there was a skating rink like near me in marlton and oh uh, i know that's why i played there a few times right, right. scooters yeah yeah <laughs> um and i don't know if they were doing this when you were when you played it but they would have like you know 10 bands play and they would just have each band set up on the other end of the skating rink yeah like they would just have two pa set up it'd be a like, fucking like, lollapalooza yeah it's like <laughs> of course this makes total sense i want to say that's a joe polito thing like yeah to have been. yeah yeah it's too smart it's all that's also really funny, like, 20 bands in four hours, and uh, it was, like, yeah. a bunch of 16-year-olds who didn't know how to set up any of right. their equipment yet, so right. <laughs> we were all struggling. <laughs> I remember I remember playing a show there, and uh, the band the band I was in was my first band. We did a whole lot of Misfits covers, yes. and, like, oh, you know what? It might have been a Halloween show, so we just did Misfits covers. Okay, but yeah. You're some following the guy theme. took off his, his rubber Wolfman mask and threw it as hard as he could directly <laughs> at my fucking face. And it made contact and like was fucking I couldn't sing the rest of Where Eagles Dare. I was so fucking upset. <laughs> the reddest I've ever been. Man, I'm just transported back to that moment. Oh man. Yeah, the those days, man. Whoo. Take me back. Do you know Nick, do you know Charles Tran? Uh, yes. Yeah, he's like a Philly Drexel guy. Was in a band called The English System. Yes. Yeah. I I know that name, and I'm trying to think of how. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, English System was it was like one of the only bands that was like outside of the South Jersey that would come play that skating rink, mm-hmm. and they were like the most talented band that yeah, I, I remember them up until that age. Yeah. Man, what a time. Yeah, I'm trying uh, to think. There were some times during Marigold, you guys would get cool people to come down. Like in pieces would play all the time. And oh I think, yeah, I think, in pieces. I think outsmarting Simon came down once for one of the shows. Yeah, which is wild. Uh, the I'm trying to think who else. At a loss was another big one that came through. Huge. Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't remember them all that yeah. much. But it was always funny because like there was so much of our scene that didn't actually include that many touring bands. It was like a very self-sustained scene. <laughs> uh that was i don't know pretty pretty wild and insular but uh yeah. so what are you up to now I, I actually what are you up to in 2022 not yeah, 37 in, in... minutes in let's not talk about 2004 <laughs> yeah 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 this is yeah 2002 probably Ugh, man how old were you in 2002 yeah uh, uh probably seventh or eighth grade yeah, I would have been. That would have been graduating high school. Yeah, so I was seventeen. I was twenty-one. Oh, nice! It was a different time. <laughs> totally different time. Yeah, it's it's uh it's very funny the people we have on our podcast and our our demographic skew much older than I would have imagined. Yeah, I mean, it, but it not be a but surprise. not less male than you would have imagined. No, that's very true. <laughs> uh, shout out to our nine non-binary listeners. There are some out there. Salute Love that. Um, There's a bunch of them, but 
Yeah, so, like, these days, uh, what kind of music are you listening to now? Uh, well, I've been going through a lot of, uh, like, I've been going through, like, a hip-hop phase for about two years now, okay. uh, where I've been going through, like, really, I think uh, I'm going back and listening to a lot of things that I maybe, uh, I wasn't super into when I was younger, like, I kind of dismissed, and there was, like, I've been like really digging uh, in in those spaces recently. So a lot of like hip hop and R and B stuff from that period, or actually like mid to late '90s, like the golden era of hip hop period, which is like just all my favorite records from from that uh, genre of music for sure. Um, other than that, what are we I talking here? Like Tribe, Wu Tang. Yeah, I mean the the obvious ones like uh, Nas um and there's just i started even get like really digging into just things i had never even heard before and there's actually a really great group that i can't i, I unfortunately uh, forgot the name but this hip-hop uh, group from trent new jersey of all places and they were amazing they were they were so good it was definitely in, in the vein of like that tribe sound you know uh you know jazz records remixed uh, but it was really really good and really surprising and i was i was really excited to know about that band i often wonder if everybody thinks that like when they were in like their musical prime or like you know the in my case what what like the mid to late 90s and you know maybe for you like a couple years later but i always think that like i lived through the best era of every kind of music (laughs) so it's like of course like you know i listen to a lot of uh tribe and like a lot of um wu-tang in high school so i'm like rap never got better than that like i checked in and checked out right in time i mean you might not <laughs> be wrong obviously but... yeah yeah that's obviously <laughs> not true like art's art and you know but but i feel like everybody thinks that like man when i was they only made good music when i was like late high school early 20s yeah i think that's the uh the curse of getting older yeah is you just like you start to relate to things less and less the older you get? Yeah, <laughs> it's honestly getting hurtful. If I can, be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It, I identify but... with Dan and like complaining about fast food. Yeah. Those are like my main yeah. interests, and that's mostly baseball, what we talk about on this podcast. It. So it works out. Uh, but yeah, it's... we don't talk about baseball on this podcast. Yeah, Ooh, let's talk that. about baseball. Yo, so you're wearing a Yankees hat, right? What yeah. a fucking season. I grew up oh, hating, I hating the Yankees, and I can't stop watching games this year. They are fucking incredible. Yeah, it's a great baseball team. And Aaron Judge is on uh, on track to beat the real home run right. record in baseball. 61. 61. We're not going to get into the Mark McGuire steroid <laughs> era. <laughs> but it was, yeah. Uh, so it is. It's been really fun to watch baseball this year. Uh, like when you, when you look at the 2022 Yankees roster, yeah, like it's just stacked, and it keeps getting more stacked with uh with Ben Attendee coming from the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, yeah I saw. Um, <laughs> you know Anthony Rizzo and like Josh yeah. Donaldson and like having all those guys play on the same team is like fucking perverse. Like, yeah, it doesn't. You know. It's is it wild to watch the uh the Red Sox be so fucking bad in your division? <laughs> yeah, it actually is crazy to see them uh playing that terribly. They got beat by fucking 
Toronto, yeah. like 27 to three or something. That was, <laughs> was the game was like, it was like watching a child get beat up. You were like, please <laughs> stop. That's I awesome. love watching fights, but stop picking on this kid. <laughs> um, I live in, I live in Baltimore now. So I've like become a part-time O's fan. Yeah, you have And to. like watching them be great recently has been like amazing. Like going to the bar and just watching baseball yeah, every yeah. night. The AL East is the AL East is crazy right now. We don't have to talk about baseball forever, but the AL East is crazy because we talked about we talked about like Hamilton hardcore. So (laughs) (laughs) the AL, yeah, the AL East is. I think every team is uh, is above five hundred. Yeah, I'm pretty sure every team is above five hundred. Yeah, and that's nuts to think about. And the Yankees are still fifteen or thirteen games ahead. Yeah, or something like that. Thirteen. They they were the first. They were the first team seventy games. Think so. 70 wins 60 is it 60 it's 60 or 70 I, I i'm not really good i don't remember a lot it's of insane stuff i am um, i mean like i grew up a phillies fan like a lifetime phillies fan but you know I, there would be something so rewarding about watching the best two teams in baseball in the world series like watching the yankees and the dodgers yeah. would be just such a fucking amazing series although there's a part of me that thinks like watching a yankees met series would be oh my god like you know what i mean that be- city would fucking explode yeah uh, i mean i, I remember don't, the I don't original think- subway series you know wait when in the, like the 90s 2000s it was year 2000 i think was the subway series yeah, no, they have one every year. Well, no, like the actual like, World Series was oh, the Yankees World Mets. Series. Yes, the Mets went to the World Series in two thousand. Was it? I was I working. I think I was. Say... I think it was two thousand. Might have been two thousand one. Maybe because I don't know if the Yankees. That would have been crazy to have nine eleven and <laughs> the Yankees <laughs> Mets World Series in the same Christ year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that'd be that a year to to never you. forget. You know. Wow. Um, <laughs> are you saying are you saying bush did the world series too? <laughs> That's awesome. oh man yeah it's uh the world series was an inside job yeah, it fucking definitely was uh the 2000 world series the yankees defeated the mets four games to yep. one to win their third consecutive championship in 26 right. overall that's wild wow i am st- stunned that daniel knew a baseball fact you know yeah. funny enough <laughs> i, really I remember that. it because the guy who worked in receiving at Morazzo's had like the trentonian cover on the wall uh near his little phone station so Morazzo's comes back again i only i can't remember what i fucking had for lunch today but i can remember the things i did <laughs> when i was 15 years old <laughs> um yeah anyway i i don't know about you but like you know baseball is just like the only like i i think i'm on track to probably watch a hundred games this year Jesus. like i just yeah. it's all you, have, you, you know a wife remote. and kids andrew yeah, my kid goes <laughs> my kid goes to bed at like 7 30 so I, you know there's there's a late game there's a 10 o'clock game almost every day um shout out to to big ed who gave me his mlb tv login thanks big Ooh, dog that's sweet. um so anyway um i heard a rumor oh I just forgot the lyrics. I was going to make a Weezer joke. Uh, I, 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 I had one more. Stop. I had one more question uh, for Nick, though, because it, it's come up a bit. What is your penchant for leaving bands right as they're about to hit it big? There's no penchant. It, there's no. It, I don't just, like Planet. 
because it's like I, every I'm, time. <laughs> what a weird fucking question that is. And uh, you know, I think it's just you know, uh, I'm still figuring things out in life. You know, I'm still trying to you know understand where I belong or that you know I wanted to do a lot of things, and I think that's a lot of why like I left Algernon to go back to school to finish my degree. Uh-huh. Um, I left I left Ape Up when my wife got a job in New York and we moved from Boston down here, but it was still really cool um to go up and live in Boston. And so I think it's just it's not necessarily I'm trying to leave bands. It, I think there's there's collateral damage to the ambitions in my life, I guess you could say. Oh no, I mean that uh, it, that totally makes sense. I mean, being in a band is a huge undertaking in terms of like time and yeah. it very much puts other parts of your life on hold. So it definitely makes sense why it's just interesting that it, it's happened at like the very pivotal yeah. points in a lot of bands that you've been involved with uh including uh yeah. here tomorrow you know i think you recorded yeah, that well, record and then you, you left immediately yeah well i mean that's okay i was okay to do that that's fine um <laughs> that's the one that stung the most you know they, they never recovered <laughs> um, after that <laughs> they did not no yeah i just uh you know and i think too you know, I'm still in this space where I don't know what the fuck's going on half the time, but uh, I, I was really lucky to play a lot in a lot of bands with a lot of very talented people. And I, you know, I've gotten to, you know, just have so much fun playing all over the world with all these different people. And, I, you know, if I didn't dabble, who knows, I'd still be living in Philly and <laughs> it wouldn't be sitting in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The uh was that Ape Up tour with Prawn, the one you did in in uh Europe? Yeah, yeah, that okay. was yeah with Prawn. And did then some, Andrew, so did, didn't I some met crazy shit Prawn. happen on that tour? Oh yeah, our singer almost died. It was the yeah, yeah. worst thing I've ever seen in my life. What what was the deal with that? Cuz I remember hearing it like third hand from like Ryan in Prawn. And cuz I I think uh, I saw, I think I saw them right after they got back from that tour and he was like shook it up. Yeah, well, I mean, to keep it really short is, <laughs> oh, hold on. <laughs> so we fucking partied so hard on that tour, the whole <laughs> fucking tour. I don't think I've ever been more worn out by a tour in my life. And it was so much fun. Um, But right before, so what happened is Matt got really drunk, our singer, and he was like trying to show off to some girls or something. I wasn't there. And he fucking fell over a railing. Oh, like shit. 20 feet onto his fucking head Jesus and like Christ. yeah i found him and it was the scariest thing like it, he had a halo of blood around his head um that was like a foot and a half you know and i Whoa. found him and he was barely breathing it was like fucked up scary. wait so how um, how long after he had fallen that you found him oh maybe a few seconds like okay or, yeah but i mean but- it had happened really fast yeah, um, like people didn't. The girls he was trying to impress didn't notice that he fell off a back, like a railing. Yeah, they noticed when he. No, they fucking noticed, and everybody like ran. Oh, okay, it's fucking crazy. So l- I just luckily I I had been there. Um, but yeah, that was like one of the worst nights of my life. But the funny part of the story is like how it all kind of set up. Uh, is that um, right before that, Roland had taken a photo of him like on top of our tour van surfing it through this like courtyard <laughs> and then the last photo we have of matt is like 
with two giant bottles of liquor he stole from the venue that night. <laughs> and, then, and then literally, so there's those two photos. And as you scroll through the phone, then the next photo of him is in the fucking hospital bed. Like, <laughs> but, but, so. It's like, it's like the even, Ghetto Boys album cover. <laughs> yeah, but wait, it gets fucking crazier uh, because, so Matt was really fucked up. He was in... He was in the hospital for like five days and I actually stayed behind in Poland. I like was living in Poland for like a week and a half or two weeks because I had to stay with Matt. So I got in touch with Matt's dad who had been following the social media posts by that Roland was putting up of Matt fucking on top of the van, <laughs> Matt holding fucking two <laughs> bottles of liquor, like, and his dad has, like gets in touch with me. He has to fucking fly to Poland. Oh my god, he has to fly to Poland to um, get his fucking kid out of the hospital. Granted, his dad had never um, been out of the country. He'd never been to Europe. His first time <laughs> fucking coming to Europe <laughs> to pick up his half dead fucking son. Oh but my the god. The best part about it though is I I meet him for the first time, and this is what he does. He looks at me. He goes, "Hey, Nikki, tell me the fucking truth. Did he fall off of that fucking van?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> With his super thick Boston accent. He fall off the top of that fucking van? <laughs> no, he didn't fall off the top of the van. <laughs> Sorry, that just like ran into a fucking tangent. You can cut that no, out. I, out. No, yeah, I, I love that. That's that's because I remember only hearing like whispers of it. So I oh, figured like and it, it just popped in my head like that that tour had this like because I remember like Ryan I think was with Prawn when he was he was they did the last Empire Empire tour and I remember like it was pretty yeah. fresh after that and he was like. <laughs> like he was still yeah. fucked uh but oh, yeah. So wait, yeah back to hold on so we were talking about um oh fuck you i'm sorry there was something there was like that story completely streamed off into another space and you brought up something really cool that i wanted to comment on I'm, I'm, it's gone forever was it ryan Come from on. prawn Are you oh just... yeah no prawn and yeah. so um and so the original point of the story is I met Andrew on that tour, who then Andrew was in every everyone with me, Chris and Christine. Oh shit. And so that's how I met Andrew. And Andrew is like one of my, you know, closest friends. Um so we've been you know, we've we stayed oh, friends for a long time. Yeah. The prawn the prawn dudes are some of the nicest people on the planet. Those yeah. records are also very, very good. Very so good. underrated. So yeah. good. Uh, but, um, yeah, did, and then um, you left out Ape Up, I think, pretty shortly after uh, after the European tour, right? <laughs> uh, well, no, no, because uh, I had moved prior, like a year prior to that, and we would still kind of play shows. Yeah, and then uh, I was living in New York when we did the Euro- European tour, so okay. it was in 2012, I want to say. Does that make sense? 2012? Or was, no, 2010? No. no, it wasn't that long ago. I think it was much sooner than that. It was at least 2012. Really? Which is that feels yeah, so crazy. So much longer ago. When did that Ape Up record come out? <laughs> uh, which one? The the yeah, the LP that's 16 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that came out in like 2012. Okay. 2011, 2012. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. What a time. That band was so good. It, the record. Matt fantastic. has. Matt has such a unique voice. It, he's got one of the coolest voices. And Roland is the weirdest guitar player of all time. He would like, 
he would he he plays like weird shreddy riffs and they would be doing like you know like jump kicks on the stage. <laughs> He's <laughs> a fucking weirdo. Oh man. So should we talk about Weezer now? <laughs> sure. I mean I paid for dope. my Weezify subscription, so we better. <laughs> I booked my Weezer tour. Uh my, my Weezer cruise. Oh man. What, a, the thing they, what, what is that? Ape shit fucking thing. What? What? Like music cruises. Oh, there's so oh, yeah. I cannot imagine. That's such a very like small or maybe it's not. Maybe I just don't like the concept of cruises and it's just just I mean, doesn't I'm, appeal to me. I'm going on a cruise in October and if Weezer's mm. there, I'm not going to complain. But How long uh, is the cruise for? Are you committed days. for a while? Seven days. What, with the band? You can no, go for Oh, a... oh, I'm not actually going on a Weezer cruise, but... Oh, uh, that would be horrible. They play, he's like... Going, he's going on a fish cruise. Tell well, us no, the there, there are, like, Paramore did a cruise, I think. Like, people are like, oh, I get to see Paramore play, like, every night on this cruise, and they, they love that shit. in fucking insane. Yeah, go to like yeah. the captain's dinner with with Paramore. You know, like I can't, I can't <laughs> wait till like there's a washed up emo cruise where I can go <laughs> see Cross My Heart and like oh and on yeah. In the oh deep. man, imagine being stuck on a cruise ship with Mike Kinsella. It sounds awesome, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> just him, like just so, just being punished endlessly at the bar. Oh man, why would uh, you be punished at the bar, dude? Well, no, no, Mike Kinsella would be punished. By oh, people just, I mean, oof. he was like mad at me that I recognized him when he was in Jersey City that time. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. We had, we had drinks at that weird pizza uh, spot with a bar that's like a block away from the church. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. The, when I don't he know was the name of really playing with, um, what's that band that you like? That I like? Yeah. I mean, that most people <laughs> like. With the, um, with the piano and the drums. Pianos become the two. Slingshot no, Dakota? The other one. Slingshot Dakota, thanks. Okay. I'm like, I have a patch on my bag still. It's the only punk patch I still have is a Slingshot Dakota patch, and I couldn't really? remember the name. They're the, the biggest sweethearts ever. The mm-hmm. absolute biggest time. So, Carly, great. Nick, I would not have expected you to choose uh, the Blue Album by Weezer. Why? Yeah, I, why? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you tell me. Is it not cool <laughs> enough, Daniel? I I mean I'm I mean I'm shot. We we literally just talked to fucking uh what's his face about Slayer, like Nor- his we, face <laughs> Norman <laughs> friend of the pod sweetheart Norman Brannon talked. Uh, he wanted to talk. <laughs> neither talk of Slayer. you responded to my Slayer Christmas lights email. So I'm a little <laughs> fucking peeved about that. <laughs> the email was seen. It didn't require a response. I think is the answer. Uh, this is great. I will repost. That's all <laughs> I need. Uh, so yeah, what what made uh, the Blue Album uh, special to you specifically, Nick? Um, well, it was one of the first bands. So I was in fourth grade when that record came out. Maybe the beginning of fifth grade, and it was like one of the first bands. Like my mind was blown by. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that that was just like it was a very it was like an important intro for me uh, with music that grew from there. And then I would also say uh, it's for me as a drummer, it's one of my favorite drum records of all Interesting. time. Um, it, 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 the, the photo on the inside 
of the CD or the booklet is the photo of his drum set. It's like it's like set, um, you know, it's like in a in a basement. But he he had his rack tom off, and I played my drums like that, like immediately, um, which probably handicapped me. <laughs> it's like with you know, just, just why I don't. Uh, yeah, so no rack tom. So it'd be bass drum, floor, snare, and then hi hat ride. And sometimes there'd be another. Sometimes there'd be another crash there. But he played a really minimal kit. Um, and he's also a fucking. He's a really good drummer. Uh, I think a criminally underrated drummer. Like he can play. His chops are really, really solid for someone who doesn't show it very often. Which is he has. He, there's a lot of restraint there. Um, but the, the the first Weezer record, he just he sits in the pocket and grooves the whole time, and then he does like he he syncopate he, he syncopates his feet in in a really interesting way. So he just did so much for me as a drummer, and I'm still I put that record on and I'll, I'll hear new things from from the drums, and I'm just like, holy shit! And he, you know, all while just playing to the song, playing to the song never playing it just made it perfect and so that i'm obsessed with that record from a drum perspective everyone loves pinkerton i get it there's always the blue almer pinkerton conversation i, I was actually going to ask that question what is, what are all of our opinions on on pinkerton Dude, it's a great record but it's not it's not as good I, there's I no agree. way like you can't like you can make an argument for Pinkerton being like a maybe a more interesting record or like a more yeah, challenging yeah. record and definitely like an A plus follow up to like such a huge album. Like yeah. it's cool to do an art record, you yeah. know. But like, get fucked. Like, yeah, I mean, this... blue album is clear. Um, it was like Matt Sharp's best playing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I, I feel like to me, Matt Sharp is Weezer. I I, I would actually agree with that because the two records he plays on. And then everything post Matt Sharp is not nearly as good. Right. I mean, maybe sure. you know, I I don't know. I always found it to be a little bit weird that those records were so good, and then the magic is just gone. Are you I guys? I mean, there's some good Rentals fans. Oh, yes. love the Rentals, but only okay. that first record. I never got into the seven more. Yeah, so I don't think I've anything. Some of it's to good. There's definitely you know what I mean. Wow. Um, that first song is amazing. Uh, yeah. but like. Because wasn't Petra Hayden or the Hayden sisters weren't on that, or was it just Petra that wasn't on that second rentals record, just on Return of? That I'm not sure. So, a couple of interesting things about the rentals before we get back to the thing that we are talking about. (laughs) One, if you go to look up rentals live videos on YouTube, there's an amazing, uh, there's an amazing set from Tower Records on South Street. That oh, wow. like is blows my mind, like how you know, because you think like the rentals can't possibly exist in like that small space. Like, what do they look like as human beings? It's fucking insane. <laughs> and they're all wearing winter coats. Weird. Uh, <laughs> two, the image is insane. Like the whole premise of being like a Russian, you know, whatever is bizarre. And is lovely. that what the rentals were going for? Yeah, that whole the whole the first record is like a concept record about being like a Russian band and oh, oh okay well, I, I didn't like know that I didn't up. I never but I'm that out. fairly certain <laughs> there's something have I will I will link the details below I get yeah. I get a, I get a text Mike Bell he would know that yeah um 
But like, what also, what a Return of the Rentals, what a weird band. Like, there's almost no guitar on that record. You like barely hear guitar on that record. It's like, it's like a, a regular and then distorted bass hmm. keyboard. I haven't listened to it yeah. in a while. I'm going to have to revisit I also didn't listen to the Blue Album listening for drums. So now I got to listen for that because I've always listened for the guitar, you know? And I mean, guitar, I mean, guitar is cool. They're, it's just a really tight package. It's a really, just really good. They're for a first record. It's insane. Right. Um, but I just thought everything about that record is just really, really tight. It, there's a, it's all of it. And, oh, good. Oh, no. I was just saying, there's a lot of weird stuff about this record, but we'll, we'll get into that in terms of like how it came to be. Like, it's, it's just a bunch of weird yeah, things start, that yeah. I feel like wouldn't be able to happen. Well, I mean, the fact that they got on Geffen for their first record to make this kind of music in in the 90s is is nuts like post grunge putting a record like this out on like a major like label is wild yeah that's that's actually interesting i never thought about it that way that was a gamble because it was just everything was grunge at that point yeah and and i i was reading up about it and basically i think uh rivers was like hey you have one year to get us signed or i go to harvard (laughs) and (laughs) and he like uh, one of the guys in the band it might have been matt sharp might have been one of the other guys uh who like got them signed but even weirder looking into this is i mean number one rick okasic produced it uh Mm -hmm. from the cars and i think produced like two more of their records as well uh so that alone pretty weird the weirdest thing for me as a photographer, the guy who shot the cover of this record was Peter Gowland, who was like a world-renowned pinup photographer. Hmm. Like he shot for Playboy in like the fifties, uh, and shot like you know the classic World War II pinup girls kind of stuff, like World War like crazy oh, crazy oh. shit. This is so far out of the wheelhouse. And he was already in his 70s when he shot the cover of this. So it's like, who got in touch with who to shoot this? The photography on the cover is not particularly good or interesting, technically. Uh, But yeah, they had this, like, renowned photographer who's most known for shooting, like, nude women shoot, like, four dorky rock dudes, you know? And, it's a solid. Uh, it's a solid. You know, tra- I think there's a relatable content there. Yeah. So and appara- apparently, Matt Sharp had his head swapped for the cover because he, he said it looked too big on the original cover. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Um, they they swapped it out, and then also I found out that River's brother's name is Leaves, and I I let out an audible like "fuck uh, you." Uh, <laughs> Rivers and Leaves Cuomo. <laughs> is, that, is that real is that true? it's real yeah his brother's name is leaves <laughs> i have no idea Jesus Christ. i hate i hate them <laughs> are they related to like andrew and, the... and the andrew and chromo the the famous chromos <laughs> the italian duo oh man i hope so uh but yeah i I gotta say, my name is Jonas. Great, great opening track, but I especially mm-hmm. love that uh, it's the only song I could think of that has the word "choo choo train" in it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, there, <laughs> there's there's probably some some kids records out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's I, Raffi yeah. and Rivers, the two greatest songwriters of our generation, <laughs> and the Wiggles, and the Wiggles uh, too. Yeah, yeah. they came a little later though. 
I'm pretty sure every parent out there can give you like they'd be like, no, he is not the only person to get that into a song. <laughs> so, I, I love when we do these records, I, I'll usually like go through like the genius lyrics pages to them and it opens up a lot of fun things. But someone was like running amok in the in the the blue album uh lyric annotations that uh someone during uh in in the my name is jonas said they annotated my name is jonas and said no my name is jonas yours is rivers and that's the annotation on the lyric and then at the end (laughs) where it says my name is jonas at the end of the song they wrote his name is rivers quamo he's he is lying (laughs) <laughs> so i just love the idea of like like a nine-year-old getting on here and being like he's lying rivers his name is rivers quamo and his brother is leaves, leaves. Uh, this yeah, song is actually really supposed to be about leaves by the way which one my name my is name jonas, jonas? Uh, yeah allegedly it's about his brother fighting with his insurance company about a car accident <laughs> <laughs> if he didn't pick that up in the song no <laughs> no, no, they must have got lost on me. I'll never hear it the same way twice, though. Um, is uh, is no one else a song about toxic masculinity? Thoughts? I don't. No. His lyrics are. I mean, you can go read that. All one of the things I can't get through on Pinkerton is his lyrics. Uh, They're yeah. brutal. Yeah. He's like weird. Yeah. yeah I, uh, it's, Why are you a creep? Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I love I love that he his response to Pinkerton was like, oh well, I guess I just won't write lyrics as personal, and then they <laughs> were and then world renowned writing, after that. Yeah, and then he started writing lyrics by spreadsheet after that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's a he's a really famous. Oh, well, we know he's really famous, but he writes a lot. He ghost writes a lot of songs. Oh, I bet. Oh, like a lot of sense. like. Like number one singles, he's like ghost written. I have to, I have to go back and read which ones they are because they're I'd pretty be super funny. curious to find out. Yeah, the I think, uh, think, I think after a point, like you're like that guy doesn't know how to not write a hit song, and I think that's oh, what's yeah. so like yeah. exhaustive about the later records. It's like, all right, man, like you get it, you can write perfect pop songs. Like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Do something else. Although it's, I don't know if I'd want another Pinkerton, if I can be honest. Oh, like, I do I want another I Weezer know. art record? I mean he yeah. they kind of have done art records since. There's the one with the big like monster no. on the cover and it's like kind of a return the form. And I think I gave it a spin. It came out in like twenty fourteen. I'm like, oh it's fine, but it's like not what I'm looking for and these days, you know? Yes. I don't I, I I'm gonna say the most harsh thing I think I've ever said about uh, someone else's art okay. but like i think i've already given post pinkerton weezer albums too much of my life to that's, give oh anything. yeah that's you fair. know what i mean like they're just i remember listening to ratitude i think that was the oh, last God. one i listened to when it first came out and i was like what are we doing here like <laughs> is this a joke is this parody i think now? i said that when hurley came out and i'm like really which is another fucking insane thing i saw yeah. that and i was like is this a fucking joke yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Rivers. What's what's he doing? Yeah, and uh, (laughs) it's. I mean, I think the whole thing with uh, with the the toxic masculinity song. I think it's like writing in the perspective, because then uh, world has turned and left me here. Like the next song is kind of the response to that 
mm. song, you know? I never thought it's about like, it that way. Like, oh, he's being shitty to his girlfriend and, you know, being, like, manipulative and controlling. And then he's like, oh, shit, I don't know why, but now I'm alone. Like, she left. Mm. But the yeah, guitar... I, I'm going to... I would like to think m- that no one else is, like, a tongue-in-cheek, like, supposed to be funny. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. There's a lot of tongue-in-cheek stuff on this record, you know? Really? There's humor? There's Tell a little more. humor in there, if you didn't catch it. So I gotta say, the guitar... Say isn't literally ride your surfboard to work? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the finger-picking, though, on uh, World is Turned in the beginning of that Insane. is so catchy. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I've the, always the... wanted to learn how to play the intro to My Name is Jonas, and I've just never sat down to do it. Really? You could you could do it. Yeah, I'm gonna learn it too. too hard. A couple minutes, but like, it's one of those things. I remember some when I was 16, somebody in my one of my bands whipping that out, and it was like my mind was blown. I was oh, like, oh, I my mean, God, that's on the record. Speaking of drums, <laughs> drums on this record. I mean, I've every time I sat in front of a drum set, I've played the intro to the sweater song. Good. <laughs> oh yeah. Maybe the only thing I know how to play on on drums, you know. The first time I heard the sweater song was probably one of the more like visceral like memories. Like yeah. like like lifetime highlight real memories. Did you awesome. make sweet love also, to that memory? No. <laughs> one thousand times oh, in your head. I I hate you. What I are the ethics of making sweet love to kisses. someone's memory? The effects, say. <laughs> the, the yeah, morals. I guess you have to ask their memory first. <laughs> yeah. Get memory consent. Um, would yeah, artwork's bad. I I I've been mauling that over since you were just talking about it. <laughs> I just came to the conclusion that like iconic as it is, like I, I don't think, think they've put out bad. a good album cover. I'm gonna look up. I'm gonna look up Blue Album. I have to see it now. I know what it looks like in my head, but I don't right. know what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Like their expressions are very. It looks like they're like cut and paste. In front of the background, even though they're actually not, it was shot that, on like that's a, blue a real backdrop. background. It was shot on that's, a blue backdrop that they then yeah. like altered the color to make it more vibrant. Mm. Uh, like the cast of a sketch comedy troupe, right? They, 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 they really like the kids in the hall. <laughs> yeah, if you, yeah. If you hold it, if you hold, if you take it like really far away, it looks like a kids in the hall promo. Right. Yeah. Photo. Exactly. Well, that's that's what's so interesting, and I guess it put into a different perspective too. I read like a lot of the stuff on this record is like Beach Boys worship. Oh, yeah, it, it makes sure. sense. It's like it's like a cross between Beach Boys and hair metal, like, and yeah. it's it's it's. I never th- listened to the record with that perspective, and it made so much more sense. Look, yeah. besides like the Smashing Pumpkins, in my mind, they were the most like blend of heavy not i mean not heavy heavy but like a blend of heavy guitars with super melodic you know like a super melodic way of presenting the material yeah yeah. unbelievable so and that's total like pet sounds worship nick what are you what are your tracks on this record yeah what are your tracks on this record yeah what what are your tracks i mean Uh, honestly whole record whole record is amazing all the way i've been listening to it a lot recently because we're gonna do this um appreciate that my name is jonas is amazing mm-hmm. that like that it just rips it's like the coolest way to start a record mm-hmm. it just like goes right into it um high school me 16 year old me like say it ain't so is the sickest song of all time it's like obviously it's kind of boring at this point but mm-hmm. it was awesome when i was younger oh my and God. then the only the, the in f- dreams oh yeah Go only on. in dreams is like 
the one of the sickest songs. It's so clumsy and it kind of doesn't really make sense. And there's that weird like subtraction drum thing that happens where like every on every four he takes a an eighth note away of everything. Oh. It's like it's that. really, really interesting song. I love that song. I feel like that's the one I pay the least attention to sometimes. Oh, uh, listen listen to it. It's like it's so epic. It's like Well it I don't know. Uh yeah, it has like a weird like the building guitar solo at the end gets really crazy. Yeah. Uh, and a, like, the guitar solos, I know we said this about Slayer, Slayer. <laughs> uh, but the guitar solos on this record are, are really tasteful. They are. Like, yeah, there's there's really, not many. None of them, and none of them feel like overplaying at all, and they feel necessary to the song. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a very tight structure mm-hmm. to those songs. Like, verse, chorus, verse, mm-hmm. bridge, chorus. Like they're, they're, Everyone is pretty standard, and then there's only in Dreams which reminds me of like a mineral emo song. It's like really strange. Uh, I don't know. So it's, it's a very cool, it's, it's a very cool record. Is Weezer emo? I think the blue album is an emo record. Yes. And, yeah. and my definition of that would be like emo music to me is like just music that gives you a certain like feel, you know, I don't know. I can't tell you what is the first emo band or what is the, the last emo band but i i i classified as like a music or music that gives me a, a, a like a vibe well, we, um, we can tell you a definitive answer because we were we the episode that came out today <laughs> we went through all of them and the first emo band's right is spring and the last emo band so far is anxious so oh yeah right <laughs> i see i don't consider right to spring to be an emo band i know they i know they get that a lot you might be the and only I, one Oh, I don't. I don't understand. I mean, it's a, that's a hardcore record to me, uh, and it's a great hardcore record. But don't I don't make even me, think don't they make like me recite the the real emo copy pasta again. <laughs> um, I mean, that list. Not to like dig into the thing we just did, although this would have been weeks oh, God, ago yeah. by the time. But uh, I mean, they called that Dag Nasty. Can I say record an emo record? Yeah, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's literally hard. a hardcore record. Yeah, like, yeah, like that ignition record. That's a hardcore record. Yeah, that embrace album. That's emo. Sure. Yeah, but like it's a weird. Yeah, it's a weird. But yeah, I would definitely because I think I think the, definitely I think the falls only... under emo as well. But then they just go so far afield from there. I, I definitely think emo bands, like the true emo bands, are the bands that we call emo bands, I guess mm. you could say. Like My Chemical Romance is an emo band. But also you I don't really I don't I think but I don't My Chemical I don't, Romance is a pop punk band. Yeah, well I'm I'm just saying like of those I almost take the because I don't like the word emo. I think it's weird. It's a weird word. And I hate I think it's actually like I don't like calling bands that um and I, I I think to those bands that like fit into that to, in my head like My Chemical Romance mm-hmm. like all the the mascara eyeliner bands like those are emo bands to me because emo is like fucking nerdy and it's like it's <laughs> not a real thing it's just like does the song make you feel a certain way yes or no you know I think that's like a a, a better definition for it but like yeah like mall metal bands they're all emo bands to me those <laughs> what, are like would emo you, bands. what would you call Boys Life? I don't even know who that is. Okay, well, what would you call the promise ring? <sighs> really, <him>. really good <laughs> rock band. Got I mean, him. no, I mean, <laughs> right? No, I mean, I mean, you would call them an emo band, but like saying that out loud kind of makes me cringe a yeah, little bit. I mean, look, records... it's a, it's a, 
it's a it's a term that feels uh yeah like it it feels like a degrading term you know what yeah, i mean yeah it does like, it totally and it, does and it, i think it always has i think there was a there was a point where it stopped being okay you know for for a certain type like it was always a derogatory term for like hardcore kids like yes but like mm-hmm. you know the, i wouldn't call the get up kids anything else they called themselves a, a punk band once which is like yeah. true sure but like you know that's an emo band come on you know what i mean like yeah i but it, i wouldn't again, call like joan of arc emo yeah it, it it's it's such a loaded thing and everyone's got a different opinion on it but i just I don't like to attach it to things because it just feels like we're doing some of those bands a disservice right. by calling them an emo band. Sure. Uh, Pete, Peter, it was really interesting with early Algernon stuff. People would, he, would ask what kind of band are you? And he would, he would say a happy hardcore band. And that always <laughs> stuck with me. And I was like, that's like exactly what it is. Because that's like a British you know, techno term. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that like an EDM? Isn't that uh, probably? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wait, dogs on acid. We uh, after we named our band and decided to put out records, we found out there was a uh, uh, a British um, website for techno called Dogs on Acid. So our Twitter accounts are said uh, not the website, and theirs said not the band. <laughs> <laughs> That's really Wait, good. Where did that name come? Where did that name come from? I have no idea. Peter walked into uh, big uh, into the driveway and Big Mama's while we were practicing talking about a name, and he just said like "dogs on acid." We're like, okay. We were tra- <laughs> me and Joe were trying to call the band uh, Dave for a while, which we thought was the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> All the band. I mean, there's there's James the band. You know, it's a thing. Sure. But yeah, I, I I don't like the word emo to to put. I don't like to put it on bands. I feel like that's like a burden to carry. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a loaded word for sure. And then yeah, I think it's same deal. It's kind of like it was in, it was reviled and then embraced and then kind of has like a, a stink on it now. I don't know. It's but it's evolved. It's a word that's evolved for a long time. If yeah. this episode gets a thousand listens, Dan will get the word emo tattooed on him. You know, it, there's worse things I could get tattooed on me, so yeah, why not? Um <laughs> I wanna I wanna bring something up that's not related to emo or weezer real quick. Is okay. that um most of this podcast so mind, far? I've been watching a lot of commercials for a uh like a a, a home covid test that (laughs) like is a is a is a unit that connects bluetooth and you like swab yourself and put it into this like electronic unit that reads it and then gives you your results on the app and for some reason that blows me away and i can't get over (laughs) how insane of a concept like the past few years have been i i went on a date with a girl who worked at google and they gave everyone one of those What's that? Like one of those at-home digital Bluetooth. Uh, the other thing you said. So. What a date? No. <laughs> yes, Dan. What is a date? <laughs> I, was, I was trying to make a Google joke. I'm sorry, that didn't work out too well. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, Weezer. I did not know. <laughs> yeah. But it's crazy that the sweater song was the lead single on this record. Oh, I remember that. That. Uh... Yeah, it was a great video, and then the other single too had a great video as well. They had so much money for oh, this yeah. record. They were both, yeah, think, buddy. Uh, Spike Jones did both of them. Sp- yeah, 
And Crazy. Yeah, they won a ton of awards for the, the Buddy Holly one. Because right. they spliced them into Happy Days. Yeah. But I think those are two... I mean, Buddy Holly is... Uh, it's infectiously catchy. But oh, I think, both singles are amazing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Sweater Song, though, I feel feels like an outlier on the record to me. Nah. I don't know. I, I, I hated... When I was younger, I thought both singles are like, oh, they're selling out. Which is so stupid, it doesn't make any sense. It's a fucking major label record. Yeah, yeah, oh, they, they sold, sold out to out David Geffen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but those uh, those two songs are probably, uh, possibly, uh, my favorite songs on the record now. Because really? I didn't listen to them constantly. I would always skip over those songs uh, when I was younger. And so I now they're... On and, like, these, yeah, they, hit. they haven't been overplayed yet. Yeah, because I would always skip over them because yeah. I was just like, oh man, these songs are fucking stupid on the radio. Again, I was a fucking idiot. <laughs> now I know better. There's yeah. a, that era of rock radio was incredible. Yeah. Like, I mean, think about even like the, the bands that nobody remembers. Like, even the smaller like indie alternative bands were fucking great. I yeah, I would call this an alternative band before I would call this a. Uh, <laughs> well, an we're band. we're talking about my name is Jonas. That, uh, or not my name is Jonas. Um, say it ain't so. That fucking guitar bend in the second half yeah. of the song had oh, such yeah. a hold on me in high school. <laughs> like I like I remember seeing, uh, I think it was Nick Harris and Andy Clark do like an open mic performance of say it ain't so like acoustic and Sick. like doing the bends on an acoustic guitar and i was like oh my god that's incredible <laughs> and every oh god oh no no go on go on i'd never anything to say no i was just uh, it's funny you were saying that because everybody who plays music or has played music at some point has a friend who covered say it ain't so <laughs> Or no seen, one's covered seen, it directly. Say it ain't so covered. Or they, they did it in their high school talent show. Yeah. Like yeah. I remember like at our talent show for like sophomore and junior year, like probably two bands per talent show would fucking cover that thing. Oh my god. There's it's, um it's so good. When I was when I was in high school, there was a show. We had like a local zine that did you know, like put on shows or whatever at the at the VFW. And there was a show that was like the first time I'd ever heard like live stuff recorded like somebody put up a couple mics in the vfw and like you know did yeah. the bare minimum of anything to it <laughs> yeah and, and it, it circulated on burn cds and one of the bands that played was called kid icarus and they were a cover band um and they did two songs they did the sweater song and they did um uh burning fight uh inside out burning fight and oh, shit. Both of those songs, like, I don't even know if there was a mic and it was just a hundred teenagers singing along. And it was like unbelievable. I wish I had that. It's great. Good stuff, guys. Really yeah. Good I, stuff. You, you had said that you, you're not a fan too much of like Rivers lyrics, but sometimes he, sometimes he gets it right. Uh, I think in, in, um, the last song, uh, the first lines are you can't resist her she's in your bones yeah she's in, she is your marrow and your ride home 
That's yeah. such a fucking good line. Yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in Only in yeah. Dreams. And yeah. oh he, my god. He can hit it. When he hits it, he yeah. hits it for sure. But but he can write some horrible shit. Really horrible <laughs> shit. Um, did you listen to the song splitter episode about um the Amy high school teacher one? Was it Amy something? something no, else? I mean, I listen to that. Um, there was this really great podcast episode about like how Rivers writes a song now, and okay. uh, he writes all his lyrics. Uh, and creates his songs all in Excel. What? Oh my god! Like, yeah. So I, I I guess he writes the songs separate and then has a bank of lyrics that he just like copies and pastes from in Excel. Whoa! Yeah, so it truly it's, is like painting by numbers. Exactly. Like I'm telling. Uh, wild. I mean, the guy wrote. The, there's there's incredibly compelling lyrics on this record, even though some of it's so goofy. But it's like. You know, an experience that so many people had that nobody's ever sang. Like, who sang about twelve sided die that wasn't? Yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean, and then you know, obviously the lyrics on Pinkerton are fucking twisted and unhinged beyond belief. But then everything <laughs> after that is like hashpipe. Like that's yeah. it. That's yeah. what we're singing about. Beverly Hills. That's where I want to be. You that know? song's a ripper, though. No, that, that the Beverly Hills is shreds, truly but, one yeah. of the catchiest songs ever, ever created. Yeah. <laughs> and and what's even crazier is, uh, yeah, like they later went on to start working with Rick Rubin. Like they've worked with so many wild people. Yeah. Like do yeah. and and they also went from being on Geffen Records, which doesn't exist anymore, but like they went to release a ton of stuff on Epitaph, which did is that true. Yeah. They did, uh, they did at least they did Ratitude and Hurley on Epitaph. No shit. Get yeah, and, and maybe maybe some others after that. I'm I'm not too sure, but That's also they're wild. they're like plowing through the color album cover themes. Nick, do you realize what that means? You're oh. like tangentially label mates with Weezer. Oh yeah, I mean, well, we are technically so. Jade Tree was bought by, by Epitaph. Epitaph, and I, as far as I know, when we when we talk to people over there, uh, they're all Epitaph people. So let's just go ahead and say, oh Dogs on Acid are label mates with, with Weezer. Weezer. Wow, uh, I'm looking forward to the tour. So. <laughs> Yo, would you do that tour? Oh, a thousand percent. Well, it would be fucking amazing. It's it's crazy how it, small the world is. Would it be a punish kind of? No, it'd be awesome. I I would love to do like a real tour, like a real real tour. You know, I think this Algernon tour is going to be pretty fun because we're going to be playing in front of much or a lot, many more people than we're used to. But to go on like an arena tour would be uh, yeah. ridiculous. I think, and then just like watch them play every night, even though I don't like most of what they're playing, and Matt Sharp isn't there. Like that would be fucking amazing. Yeah, so I mean, I'm sure Matt Sharp would show up at least once, right? Yeah, I'll Does just hang out them? with him. Oh no, I, no, they—I think they've played together like a few songs here and there throughout the years. I love, uh, I love the weird connections we've had. We had a former guest on Chris Cote from uh, a band Cut You Up, who their second show ever opened for Blink One Eighty Two and Weezer in a, in arena, and then we're talking about Rick Rubin. We just talked about the Slayer record. Uh, and then, yeah, now your labor lights with Weezer. We got a lot of Weezer connections on here. I think it's oh, time yeah, for, uh, it's like, you know, them on here. Rivers, uh, you know, we, we got all your friends imagine? on the pod. What record do you think Rivers would pick? 
Oh, probably, oh, probably kiss. like a, a yeah, kiss <laughs> or, or pet yeah, sound. He was maybe I would say he would be some glam hair metal. Right. He's he Access. loves that shit. Dio. I mean, literally Dio. in in the garage, he says my favorite rock group, Kiss. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. he's got Ace Freely, and I got Peter Chris. That's such a good line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Oh man, but yeah, it's I love the connections. The connections are so so wild. It, it's insane how small the the music scene like is in general. Like no matter how big of a band you are, there's yeah, still we weird all at least like the same bands. Sure. Mm. Yeah, I can't imagine not liking like this Weezer record specific. I feel like that will be a red flag for someone. Yeah, if someone didn't like it. I can understand the Blue Album versus Pinkerton conversation, sure. Sure. but to not like it flat out, right. I think that is a huge personality flaw. <laughs> it's a test. It's a fucking, it's a great record, like just fundamentally as songs, songwriting. The, uh, yeah, so, is, there, is there a low point to this record? Uh... I would I probably mean, say, 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 say so. so. Now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Really, one hundred percent. Yeah, because yeah, that song, I, I, I mean, it's, it's a downer for I sure. Now, the only thing I skip now. Interesting. The best part of that song is the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The bridges it, are. They should have built a whole song around the bridge. <laughs> Those guitars are so heavy and so well blended that they just yeah. sound like one buzz saw coming through. Yeah. It's so, a, the production on that record is amazing. Even yeah. my favorite, my favorite bass drum sound of all time mm-hmm. is from that record. I, I, I think that my idea of what a kick should sound like is is that. Yeah, it's like fat and round and warm, but it also doesn't. It stops right away. There's yeah, no it's like flat to it. Oh god, I love yeah, it's like and it's like real floppy, mm-hmm. and it almost feels like there's a, like a pillow on the front head. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're like it's, it just sounds like it's slapping something, yeah. and it's so it's so good. There's, um, I feel like there's people who try to do drums like this where it ends up sounding like because there's a lot of room to these drums, right? Yeah, like, it's not like Fleetwood Mac drums where it's like, yeah, I mean, like this sounds like a huge fucking room. Um, and I feel like when bands try to do this, the kick ends up sounding like a basketball. Yeah, good thud, good thud, but everything's there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a it's a sonic it, it's sonically a really cool record. Andrew, when did when did you pick this record up? Was it around the time uh, it came the out? Year was the year was nineteen ninety six? Okay, well this came out in nineteen ninety four. So I bought it. So uh, the the day that I heard um, the sweater song, I had a friend who lived down the street who who owned everything. Like his parents were musicians, and so like every new rock record, they would just buy him. So by the time I heard something, I was like pretty sure he just taped it for me. Oh, so nice. yeah. I ran over and then bought it probably a week later at Walmart. My mom wasn't paying attention. Nice. I got this a little later on as, uh, you know, when it came out, I was probably in, you know, early elementary school. It was like 14. I got this in, I think, seventh grade. Oh, 94. So I was yeah. 13. Yeah, I was very much on my punk rock discovery tour. I think my friend had just gotten me, uh, like, 
White Trash, Two Hebes, and a Bean by No oh, Effects. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, friend of the pod, Kevin Ott, uh, picked me up this. I think he gave it to me for like my like Secret Santa Christmas gift one year. I really hoped you were going to say friend of the pod, Fat Mike. Friend of the pod, Fat Mike. <laughs> I, did, I did take a picture of Fat Mike once on the street, and it was like directly after he said all that stuff about the Vegas shooting and was like canceled for music. <laughs> I saw him outside. The decline. the decline is great. The decline. Does I went it down. Hold it, it holds up. It's wild. As like a piece of music, it's it's super ambitious. It's no, really no effects cool. are like great musicians. Yeah, for sure. Especially, I, just, like, I don't think I could. I think I like white trash. I think I like punk and drublick, but I don't think I cared about anything else. The decline like, is worth a listen. Yeah, punk and drublick's a great record. Love that record. Yeah, I feel like. It's crazy that they've had so much output themselves, you know? Oh, yeah. This is now a no-effects podcast. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. I haven't listened to anything they put out in in a decade, but uh, I think I I checked out around the Pump Up the the Volume era. Oh, yeah. Which was probably 2001 or something. I don't know that I heard that record. So, funny enough, back to Weasel real quick, I feel like a lot of I'd be remiss not to bring it up because I probably most of the Weezer I listened to was the Weezer tribute album that came Ooh, out with Mock Orange on it. Yes, yeah. I love that because Andrew Andrew knew exactly what I was talking about as well. And I don't know if it's streaming. It's not on any services, I don't think. But no, you gotta go. You have to find it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I have that song somewhere, but that's like one of my favorite covers of all time. It's so it's good. Cra- it's the craziest cover. Uh, I'm try. I literally have it in my iTunes as Weezer tribute, and but yeah, yeah like it has affinity. It's got piebald. It's got glass eater. Grade further seems forever. Uh, the guy from Elliot, Midtown dashboard, the stereo, my complex. I don't know. Uh, mock orange Ataris and the Impossibles, and for yeah. ideal drum uh, sounds, yeah. the Impossibles cover of the Good Life. The drums so are like good. recorded in like a hallway. It sounds like, and they they sound like they're banging on trash cans. Man, I want somebody to come on so and, and want to talk about the return of the rental. I mean, not return of the bleh, um, uh, Impossible's return. Oh. I love them. That record is on, and that's the record that's when it first came out. I was like, oh, that sounds just like I wish Weezer would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what I loved about that tribute record was every band covered it sounding like they would as that band like no one came on to sound and just try to mimic weezer they all played the weezer songs in like the actual style that their rest of their catalog sounds like you know and And like yeah orange comes orange do that was wild i love the um, the, midtown uh, doing suzanne yeah the the glass eater version of holiday (laughs) with like the breakdown at the end I might close this episode out with that. I think that'd be fun. Uh, that's the one that burned into my brain. But yeah, listening to like Affinity and Grade and stuff like that, like bands I haven't thought of in years, I went back and re-listened to this, and it was like, holy shit. <laughs> I don't know how Mock Orange got on that comp. Because yeah, they were it, like... I mean, I, I've known about Mock Orange for a long time, but I still feel like a lot of people don't know about that band. I and that is one band where their full discography is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, we had we had Evan Weiss come on and talked about Mock Orange 
Uh, and it was my first, they were like one of the bands that kind of slipped through cracks for me that became the missing link band to so much stuff. I'm like, Oh, this now puts so many other stuff in context. And it was just a band that yeah. like slipped through the cracks on my end. And Holy shit. Like it's, it's incredible. Uh, but the yeah, two greatest emo bands, e- quote, quotation mark emo <laughs> bands, the progress uh, and the early November. No. <laughs> uh Mock Orange. Uh Mock Orange nine and six nines and sixes in the record play are two flawless, again, quotation mark emo records. And then a band that literally nobody knows about, Colossal. Oh yeah, we did a Pat Ford episode. Yeah, oh, Pat, wait, Ford, Pat, Ford. Pat Ford was on the pod. Yeah. We are huge Fucking, Colossal. Heads. I love Colossal. Colossals, yeah, I, when I heard Colossal, I almost shit my pants. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I've Rip that band off on the drums constantly. Oh, that's my so some of that's the most my favorite memorable drum parts on that record. Yeah. It's unreal. So my favorite bass drum of all time, Weezer. My favorite snare drum of all time is the snare drum on both of the Colossal records. Mm, so good. Just re- it's like really ringy, airy. I think it's like brass or copper. It's just sound. It's like a metal snare. I've been obsessed with it for years. I never could get it properly. We Why should probably, sound like that? We could probably find out for you. Pat Ford is is like friend of the big time friend of the pod now. He he, yeah. you got to go back and listen to that episode. I'm not trying to give you homework, but literally, he was one of our favorite guests. Like just because we yeah, learned so much about it's a band so that doesn't have that much known about them, really, yeah. in terms of like the zeitgeist of music. But he was so much fun to talk to, and like even learning about like, uh where the design of the album cover came from like yeah it, it's literally the footprint of like a chapel in germany somewhere oh like, wow it's the floor plan that they had someone then rearrange to make it vaguely spell out colossal like he was literally like opening textbooks to show us yeah. on the pod it was so much fun he he's an absolute gem that was such learned so much from that but yeah me and andrew that was one of the bands we we bonded over early on was colossal because yeah not that many people know about them and they are unbelievably like yeah good so good that they when they played in when they did a reunion tour in san francisco or excuse me a reunion show in san francisco um they did they played uh it was mike park from asian man records it was like his maybe 30 year fest or something yeah. i can't remember uh but colossal played uh, and me and my my wife we went out there uh, and saw them play and i had never seen them play the only time i was supposed to see them play um they i couldn't make it to the show or something and it was at the uh it was in philly at the owls cove and oh yeah halfway to holland also played that yeah show. no joe joe <laughs> mentioned that on his episode that he saw colossal at the owls cove yeah and so and I was so like just like just distraught that I never got to see them play, and then I got to see them, and they were just everything I hoped they would be. That is, they're my. If I had to say, I know it sounds like kind of cheesy, but if I had to say like one man, like like Desert Island Man, would be colossal. Wow. They're so fucking good. That's great. Yeah, Pat came on and talked about uh, the Seam record. Oh, cool. The problem with me. So good. Yeah. Tell. Uh, Pat Ford, if you're out there, let's jam, bud. Start a really cool <laughs> Yo, band. It won't, be, it won't be a quote-unquote... He was literally, band. I think, asking us if we knew people who wanted the jam. Yeah. So you're 100%. in luck. Oh, yeah. If you guys did that, that would be so amazing. I play guitar, just so you guys know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Get in there. 
Pat, we got another guitar player, Pat. Just hit me up. Man, wouldn't that be fun? God, he's so good. Yeah, yeah. he's he uh, there's a really cool uh there's a video on YouTube because I I'm so glad YouTube is as amazing as it is now because when I would search like years ago colossal live yeah. videos, um, are you talking never about the, anything on there? Are you talking about the one where they have two drummers and they're playing uh hot probs? No, no, it's oh, a full that's... live set. Oh wow, okay. I don't <laughs> and, think I've seen and, that. Yeah, it's like a it's a full live set and they play this one song that I've never heard. And I, I fucking like on the YouTube thing, I was like, where's this song from? Did you ever <laughs> record it? Da, 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 da. And Pat wrote back and I was like, thanks, man. I was like the kindest thing ever. Like I was like the fucking internet troll lord. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, this yeah. is not on this thing with this. Da, da. I felt was like it such on a split? an asshole, but no, I think he said they never recorded it or something. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was like a really cool song or maybe he, I can't remember what he said. It's on, it's on my public YouTube comments. If you want to. <laughs> <laughs> want to die, you want to go through that yeah it just was shit talking boston fans yeah there's there's an epi- uh there's a video of them doing hot probs i believe where they have two drummers come in and it is unbelievable hearing them with two drummers and we found out that apparently they played a lot of their shows with two drummers all the time yeah which is crazy uh, and then i they, they also share like really cool members i think uh so the drummer was either in what was the chicago scott band slap shot or slapstick slap it wouldn't have been slap shots the hardcore band slap so slapstick yeah, so it would have been the drummer was in slapstick <laughs> and then there's members of the smoking popes right. in that band yeah. like they have a really yeah, cool yeah, yeah. just like chicago thing going on amazing well everyone go back and listen to the pat ford episode it, it's a gem in the catalog for sure i think i i think i crossed the line when i asked him if he can get dan andriano to, uh, do pod. Pod. <laughs> yeah. he never answered that email pat thank you sorry i just love that we're, we're using this t- you know two hour to you know almost two hours into the pod to, to call people out yeah uh, what, else, what else do we have to say about weezer i i think i've said my piece about weezer nick what do you got oh i can talk for days i don't know no they're just a great great band everyone loves weezer I you know I think everyone loves the Blue Album or Pink. I think Blue Album or Pinkerton is probably top ten for most punks. So there's not much to say, but I just that that record's like really special for me. It just taught me a lot. I think it's a very fair assessment. I think I think a lot no, of people no, wouldn't no admit gonna, to it. I think that's crazy. Those records are flawless. Look, I, I think however corny they are now doesn't do anything to the legacy of oh, of yeah. the blue album or yeah. i guess even pinkerton to a point yeah yeah i, I need to, i haven't listened to pinkerton in a long ass time i need to it's weird Pinkerton's a, it's, it's a good record it it you know i think it's just it's a different record if right. if they had come in reverse order i would be like oh yeah this evolution makes sense but it's like they they wrote like this flawless pop record and then they tried to write almost like a a punk record or just like this weird like off the cuff i don't know they're just they're very different records and it feels intentionally different yeah. they both they both seem like they're intentional in different ways i mean do you feel like it's it's as different as nevermind and in utero like is that i never thought of that being a good analog to that but it does sort of make sense I feel like when I look at those two records, they make sense together. Right. Like there, there. I feel like there is a progression there where it's like Weezer has this weird track where it was cool for like, um, 
the blue album was this thing and then it went to then pinkerman which was this other thing this mm-hmm. wild other thing and then they shot into a million other directions and the, all the records are so different it, it, I, I don't know like they're, they're all over the place like there's no you can't follow it is what i'm trying to say like it just it for me it's all over the place i'm yeah. sure other people maybe can draw a different parallel but now it's... now it feels like they <clears throat> they're just kind of saying fuck it and doing all the weird stuff they want like i mean the fact that their second biggest hit maybe their it's their second only number one hit is the fucking uh it was beverly hills and then the toto cover of africa really that's and that yeah. was such a dark time in 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 rock music was the fact that their toto cover was you could not escape it yeah. And then they were like playing with Toto and then Toto covered a Weezer song and then it was like Toto was relevant again. <laughs> it's like god damn it. <laughs> uh but yeah, they've also they just put out they literally just put out a new record like a few weeks ago. Did they? Yeah, oh, it's like they no. put out some records now that are based on seasons. Oh yeah. And I also didn't they put know out, they had they put an out, album called I didn't know they had a, an album called OK Human. Yeah, they did OK Human, and they did and Van, Van Weezer, where they do, like, hair metal stuff, and then, like, electronic stuff, and they, they put out, I think they're up to, they did Blue Album, Green album, album, Red Album, White Album, Tan Album, Black Album, uh, and Teal, teal album. Teal Album? Yeah. So, this they're really... Insane. Without looking... What's the most streamed Weezer song? Uh, it's got to be Beverly really Hills. Know. It is not. Beverly Hills is four. Shit. What's, I, don't, I don't know. What is With it? With half a billion plays. What? Jesus. Island in the Sun. Oh, okay. that's a good song, though. That it's makes a, sense. Songs are shredding. That's song. their Kokomo. That's, I remember <laughs> hearing the Green album after sort of being like, I don't think I need to listen to Weezer again. And like, yeah. the Green album was pretty sick there's I mean, some probably, good stuff on it i probably heard dope nose before i heard my name is jonas in terms of just ha- the the times i existed on this earth you know because right. yeah island in the sun and that and and uh hash pipe that's what i'm thinking hash pipe yeah they when the weird, green album came out you couldn't video. escape it either yeah yeah i remember that came out when i was what is that maybe 2001 the green album came out yeah because I remember yeah, they, they were to touring, opinion. they were touring on that record, and a bunch of my friends that was, you know, a bunch of my friends got tickets to it, and I didn't get any. I felt like such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually never seen Weezer live. Oh wow, me, me neither. I've just never you had. Know, funny story. I saw Weezer live once. Um, I was at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, <laughs> and I heard what I thought was a Weezer cover band that turned out to be Weezer. Um, <laughs> And that was really fun. They played, uh, they played two sets back to back, or like I caught the end of one, the last three songs of one, and they like went out and then came. I ate lunch and they came back a half an hour later and started over. It was fucking bonkers. <laughs> That's really That's awesome. funny. I so, want to see him like that. I just want to stumble into a Weezer show. Yeah, That's the only yeah. way I could really see I myself say going. That was like 2010. Oh wow. So Just they were like, really in their prime era at that point. Prime. Yeah. 
What Prime, would that Prime would that have been make believe era? Would that was that Beverly Hills era? 2010. Oh god, that might have been Hurley era. <laughs> oh man, what a time! Because yeah, uh, yes, Death to False Metal and Ugh. Hurley. Yeah, Ugh. you know, they actually considering they went on that hiatus from from Pinkerton to to the Green album of five years. They like sort of regularly released content. Like, oh yeah, they're doing now. like an album I'm, every like, one to two shocked. years. It's they're on like an eighteen month cycle. It's wild. Just like back to work, dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> they're just punch, punching the clock. Slave, right. Yeah, punching the clock at the at the Weezer mines. You know. <laughs> oh nope. The most recent Weezer album to be released was season summer yeah june 21st of this year yeah that's, that's like that was like weeks ago yeah, exactly months ago it, it was it. like six weeks ago oh i guess it's an ep seven songs yeah you know anyway hey Nick, uh, this was really fun what do you have to plug yeah oh uh i don't think anything besides algernon yeah besides yeah, the band yeah. you're about to go touring with the tickets are currently <laughs> on sale for <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, I play in a band, and you can come see the band if you want. And uh, tickets are on the internet. Are you and, doing uh, new material? Uh, we don't have any new. <laughs> we all, we all <laughs> live in different places. It's uh, we're we're uh, you know, I haven't even been in the same room with Colin and Joe and Peter in probably like twelve years or something. You That's know, wild. so it's, it's going to be really fun to get to play with them. <laughs> Oh my god. How long are you going to rehearse with them for that tour? Uh, you want to be honest? Like, we haven't even fully gotten together as a band yet. So, we'll probably do it like the week before because that's how we roll. No, I'm just kidding. We'll probably, hopefully, as much as we can. Yeah. uh, Because I don't, I haven't even played the drums in three years. So, (laughs) yeah, I have to, I have to, uh, after we're done this podcast, I have a suggestion. No, I don't even have to start with the seven inch. Go forward. But here's one of the issues. I don't even own drums. Yet. So I knew you were gonna fucking say that. I knew you were gonna Who was it? Um was it uh was it Q and not you? Um the drummer like famously never owned his own drums. That's yeah. funny. That's so I funny. have never I've never practiced this will be the first time really in my life. I've maybe sit, sat behind the kit maybe ten times in my life where I'm like, oh I'm gonna practice. And it lasted like five minutes and I got bored. <laughs> so like I've never actually like I've always just played at band practice. So I'm just I'm not a drummer at all. I just have been adjacent to drums for a long time. Well, if if that doesn't sell some tickets to Algernon yeah, shows, I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well just come out. We're gonna play so good and <laughs> nobody's gonna, gonna be, be drunk. so well rehearsed. How how are you and Tank trading off uh drumming duties? Two we're gonna play sets. yeah we're, well no we're gonna do one drum set but we're just gonna because it's hard to like mic and and have uh have like different monitors for different sets and different mics like it's really hard with with that much stuff yeah um so we're just gonna play we're gonna have one kit and we're just gonna play our respective songs this um, is gonna... oh tanklin's like five thousand drum set tank is like a drummer and a really good drummer and he practices he can do power diddles and double stroke rolls and i don't even own a drum set so (laughs) 
Oh, I want to say I saw him play an Algernon show the day after he broke his foot at the skate park. Oh, oh maybe. Uh, they, it or was really like funny. A couple days after. Maybe, yeah. They, cause he, well, that tour got canceled. And I was uh, walking out the door. Um, I had just left the band maybe uh, a few months before that, and Tank had broken his ankle. And they, I was walking out my door to get on a plane to go to London, and they called me, and they were like, can you come to Florida? It's <laughs> like, I'm literally, like, boarding a plane. It was other, I would have if I wasn't getting on to, I was, I was like, they called me while I was walking into the tunnel, <laughs> up to the airplane. I was Exiting like, I was, the was country. about that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, what a time. Yeah. So, yeah, you're not going to be playing any Parrot Flies material? No, I can't even play those songs because Tank rips it. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I can I need to learn my songs, which is going to be a struggle ish. Uh, I'll get through them, but yeah. then I can't la- learn his too. There's no way my brain doesn't work like that anymore. Are there like drum drum play along videos you can watch? I'm sure there's drum cover videos, right? Not of any of mine. A lot of tanks. There's a bunch of them. I think there's maybe like one song on the internet that i someone played of my parts well hey i I should call i should call them (laughs) just get them just get them out there they're gonna rip it yeah just stand adjacent to the drum set yeah yeah i'll I'll just like i've hired this person i'll get them on what's that thing fiverr yeah 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 Yeah. hey listen (laughs) we we both work in the production world we can just sub you just subcontract it you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. I'm the rental sell. house doesn't have what you need. You, you get the rental house to, to sub-rent from a different rental house. You know? It's it's perfect. Someone just hit hit up Dan for my email and send your drum resume, and maybe I'll hire you <laughs> to play my parts for the Algernon reunion tour. And I'll just... But I'm going to somehow sit in front of you on the throne so I get all the credit. Second drum set set off You're just slightly off on stage. their lap. <laughs> on their lap with like their arms through your stage we'll just make like a a horrible just like Ah! it's almost like when like three kids like stack onto each other to wear an adult coat or here's another idea just get tank to do it and just sit on his lap all day. <laughs> you know tank you're hired you, know, you, you can be on the you can be on the rotating drum set right above him wait that would be the funniest shit though that would be like you've known capitalism has come to an end if someone uses fiber or fiber to hire a drum set to play your songs <laughs> so, well isn't that like the early november model by now oh do they have just oh. a lot of different people yeah no i'm just kidding um <laughs> i don't know anything about that band we used to play with them a lot they're always really yeah, nice people. great band um, all right andrew what do you got the plug <laughs> I have this podcast that I can plug. Um, I do a podcast called Run Into the Ground uh, featuring Dan Bassini. Nice. Uh, you, can, you can follow us on Twitter at run in the number two, the ground, uh, and on Instagram at run into the ground. I'm Instagram, my bro called Life. If you want pictures of babies. So Ooh, that's a good, good one. Uh, you Dan? can follow me at Dan Bassini on Twitter and Instagram, danbassini.com. I got uh, my latest book out, No Invite Volume 8, still available. Uh, stock as a whole is running a little slim, so don't don't sleep on getting books. If you're looking to get some books, I don't know if I will ever reprint them in the current form that they exist in now. So nice. uh, don't sleep on it. 
And oh wait, uh, I, I, oh. oh, go on. No, I actually do have something to plug. I'm I'm getting ready to start my own podcast. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm a graphic designer, and I love type typography, typefaces, and I also love smoking weed because I like to smoke weed. So my podcast is called High Times New Roman, That's and it's really a good. <laughs> it's a, it's a podcast where I smoke weed and talk about typefaces. Yo, can I tell you that I love both of those things also? <laughs> Um, there's a, did you ever play that font game? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, uh, that, sorry, the kerning game. Yeah. The kerning, oh, yep. man, the kerning game was so good. I, I much better than I should have been. Um, the only reason I know what kerning is the band that I was in was called Hartwell and RTW does not kern very well. In oh, standard terrible fonts. letters. So yeah. I got really good at doing just that. Um, so type it anytime you need to tell me to talk top type with, I'm in. Oh yeah, jump on, jump on the pod. High Times New Roman. First we'll episode is going to be Times New Roman. Well, let me. Can I? If you do a future episode, I'm hundred percent in. <laughs> you know, that's my most hated typeface of all time. Even worse than papyrus. Well, I don't use papyrus. I haven't been. No one's forced me to use papyrus yet. But people <laughs> have forced me to use Futura, and I hate it. I hate setting it so much. I'm a, so I'm round a, and chubby. I'm an OG Helvetica Stan. So, yeah, it's the best, best typeface ever. The, uh, but yeah, uh, I, well, I'll ask your, your graphic design opinions on our podcast art, uh, off pod. I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I've, I've created all of the design language of the podcast. So, uh, we'll see. I, I can... think, I think it looks good. Perfect. I'll take it. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. And speaking of which you can, uh, yeah. Like comment, subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, uh, all the all the general podcast bullshit. Uh, and until next time, Nick, pleasure catching up. I hope people enjoyed the the weird nostalgia hole talking about things that literally only me and you know about. So, <laughs> <laughs> you blew my mind. Oh man, appreciate it. Awesome. Till next time, everyone else. Goodbye. Bye.